Just a few film nerds breaking out of the rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring most Tragic characters ever it's almost it's almost like grecian tragedy mm-hmm. he has he has a fatal flaw well, you can see in and his it eyes is inescapable he that it's mm-hmm. he knows it's tragic yeah. it's actually when he uh, to me that's almost when he becomes the most british upper class you can get because you don't say goodbye you don't reveal that you just chin chin yeah uh, no, cheers and it's in a and in a weird way like that right there is it's the last 90 days of the of the decade so, yeah so in a weird way, you know, like Marwood is becomes the, I don't know, I don't know if this bears out at all, but he becomes sort of this idea of the next century of British men. He's cut his hair, and he's going off to do the work. Yep, he's the you know? he's and, the lead, and he's in touch. This is That's a dude who's important. in touch with his emotions and is able to say no to a drink. He's rejecting the drinking culture, which I know still goes on mm-hmm. to this day. Right. But like, in a weird way, he he moves. It's it's so in so many ways he's moving on. But with now is that he's like this the, he is the 60s and the space between them is 69 to 70 you know it, it's and i love it i love that i love that marwood says you like he actually stops him he's like i don't want you to come with, he he's like want you're yeah. yeah i really don't want you to well you can't have the change it's if you continue it, to bring it's two decades man yeah. it's two it's one decade saying goodbye to another it's one ideology or yep. one idea or one yep. I don't know. There's a lot of movies. We actually, we talked about it a little bit when we were talking about Easy Rider and mm. more so when we, kind of more so when we were talking about um, uh, Road to Paloma. Hell yeah. But as an ideology ages, it gets more haggard and more tattered around the edges and it starts to unravel and fall apart because honestly, no one ideology can take you all the way through your life. No, and I don't think, I don't think that it should. Because then growth stops happening. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's what I mean. And new is, understanding, right? Exactly. And what you end up with at the end of Withnail and I is one man unwilling to let go of. Actually, man, we'll talk about it. But I think it's what we ultimately get is one man letting go of the rope too late and falling. Yeah. All the way to his death, and the other man finding that he held onto the rope just long enough and found a ledge to step out exactly. onto. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Before we get there, let's jump back to Monty agrees to give them <laughs> the cottage. The cottage. <laughs> we also get one at Monty's before we move to that part. Yeah, yeah. They're leaving. He talks about the fact that he will. He, you get to a point in your life where you realize you'll never play the Dane. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that's important. An important point because you get Withnall saying it's a role I hope to play someday, you but then you get it at the end. Yes. Yeah. You know, it finishes with him actually getting to play the Dane, yeah. even if it's just to a, a to lone a wolf, wolf yeah. in, a, in, a, in a cage. I, I love that moment. super important. And it's, like, for someone that's that's an actor and wishes to play, the, every everyone wants to play Hamlet, right? Mm. That is the fucking thing. That's like, if you can do that, then you have, you are an actor, you are legitimate. Right? You can do any other role, but that's the one. And with the exception of David Tennant, I think that is the I was just going to say, I think you have have Tennant, then you have him, and then you have um, Kenneth Branagh, Mm. but in that order. I've never seen either of the other two. I've only seen this one. Yeah. David Um, Tennant is incredible. That that version of Hamlet, and it's on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. And it's it's modern. Yep. He's wearing a suit. Yep. It's not. 
and sometimes a Medieval. T-shirt with ripped abs on it. But mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I don't. There's a version of. But when you, but the the thing that's sad with with Monty is Monty Montague. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that he has realized that he's past his prime mm-hmm. and will never play the Dane. And that's that's something like when you start to get older, you're like, fuck. That's a very real that's thing. Now. Yep. Yeah, I yeah. don't get to do that role. Yep. I think. I mean, I don't know. Maybe in some way that that monologue, that final monologue that we get at the end, is that? Do we think that that's with Nail's moment of realizing that he's never yep, going to play I think the so. Dane? Which is why. Do you know he's... how this movie was originally supposed to end? Doesn't he kill him? He's supposed to shoot himself. In he the was supposed face to. With a he was supposed to pour a shot of bourbon or something. He was going to take out a. There was going to. He's going to take out a revolver and pour wine down the barrel, and then put the gun in his mouth and pull the trigger mm. and shoot. It's a little dark. Yeah. So they were like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like this but it's kind of brilliant. Though. It's also very British. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't need to go perfect at the end of everything. Well, know? I, I like the j- decision not to do that because do if you, if you have him do the wine and the, and suicide with one last drink, then there's no arc for him at all. Right. It's totally flat. He hasn't learned a thing, but him delivering the soliloquy and walking away with the bottle in hand, Actually, I want to watch it again and see if he takes another drink after, after? he delivers. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does it because I think he just walks and carries it. The way he walks as well is he doesn't walk the path. No, he walks. Right, straight. He walks straight across the grass, mm. passes the pathway, straight across, the, and they just hold that shot during the credits. Don't it's, they? He just keeps yep, walking. Yeah. It's incredible, walking. and it's that, and there's a really slow um, crane shot up over the over the cage, which I think is actually in a weird way because it's. It's not a happy ending. It doesn't feel happy at all. It feels Even though half tragic. of our team has gotten what they wanted and it's mm-hmm. a lead, there he's going to be a successful actor, but it still doesn't feel happy or there's, celebratory. Well, there's <laughs> no. but there is a little note of hope, which is we we start the shot in the cage. Mm-hmm. We're in the cage with the with the wolf shooting out, and as he walks away, the camera comes up and out until the cage is no longer visible. He starts to. He starts leaning on the spike of the fence as well, doesn't he? Like he's just mm-hmm. when he starts that monologue, and as he grows, he's he gets further, full, yeah, further away, further from, from, the, from the cage. And I like it's maybe it's only a small moment of triumph, and but but I think it leaves you enough of a kernel of hope that the movie doesn't crush you. That's hard to pull off in a movie with a, with as much tragedy as with now. For a comedy, this movie has a stunning amount of tragic mo- or a stunning number of tragic moments in it. But I love. That's that's a really hard line to walk and a really hard dance to pull off, which is I've just shown you something that is utterly tragic, but I'm going to show it to you in a way that you still have air to breathe at the end. Mm-hmm. Leaving Las Vegas leaves you nothing. No, you're, you're only you're sad when guts. that's done. Yeah. That movie is only devastating. With Nail and I, the reason I'll watch it again, even though it breaks my heart, is it it leaves enough, there, it has enough heart to break if that makes any nope, sense that makes total you know? sense i like that mm-hmm. it um, has enough heart to break. <laughs> so let's do he says really smart things do you want to does to me it's very <laughs> yeah he's you're so at, smart he's good at, he's it's, good at it's amazing it's all crap it's just garbage <laughs> pouring out of my mouth and every once in a while the words fall in the right <laughs> order every once in a while it's a solid turd. so let's talk about your coolest scene uh, of all time because it's wonderful take us through it i absolutely love this well you get the opening of uh jimmy comes out doesn't it all you along the, the watchtower you've got that iconic jaguar mark ii yeah. and it is synonymous with british heritage mm-hmm. because ever since that sort of 
ever since the E-Type, it's just kind of been downhill from there <laughs> in terms of the British motor industry. Because when you think about back then, you had Jaguar, you had Rolls-Royce, you had Bentley, MG, you know, Austin Healey. All of those guys were doing their stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of all kind of went away. And we've barely got a car industry at all now. Right. And if it is, it's owned by someone foreign. Yeah. Um, I think the new Aston Martins are pretty goddamn sexy, but that's just me. But owned and I'm by a, big a German bond. company, that's right? True. Or that's they true. were, at least. They I were. don't know if they've been bought back now. But uh, sure one about. of the things I love about this particular Jag is that it's mm-hmm. beat to shit. Mm-hmm. It's missing a headlight. It's missing a wiper. It's missing a wiper. <laughs> On the driver's side. <laughs> On the, it's missing the driver's side wiper. The back suspension is kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Like the thing's riding too low. It's kind of cocked at a weird angle. The interior is all scuffed up. There's no up. paint left on it. <laughs> and it's it's a pretty good, I mean, this whole movie's metaphors, but this is a pretty good metaphor. The, the Jaguar that they drive oh, around in. Oh, it's just like Monty's apartment. And once again, we're getting the the, the, scru- the destruction, the end of something. Right. Yeah, the end of the yeah. 60s, the end of this. And it's probably... Um, those those areas would probably have been um, still recovering from the war. Right. And you and can, So that's why right. they're all kind of burnt out. That's why, you know, I grew up in... A, even in the 80s, growing up in East London, there were remnants of just old buildings. That have that, been bombed. Yeah, from, wow. during the Blitz. Shit. Um, I used to drive past. I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but no. I used to drive past. There was a British coal factory that was in the Docklands. It's all now, you know, million dollar apartments and stuff. But it was the it was disused British coal factory, and it's where they shot Full Metal Jacket. Oh yeah, and I know the scene. So you're the talking sniper about. scenes, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? Shit. And so I remember driving through because I used to take my dad used to take that road to go to watch West Ham at the stadium, and it was funny because they just left everything, and so it was really Jesus. strange to drive past this. Week. You can see all the like the busted up buildings, but palm trees. The palm trees were still there. So crazy. From, <laughs> so you're in the middle of London, and you look over to your palm left, trees. and there's Vietnam. <laughs> It's fucking wild, man. But Kubrick did it there, so... Dude, I love the... Because it's not their apartment that's being trashed, but it's the building next to and attached to. Yeah, it's the area's being revised. It's probably going to get some high-rise flats in that whole thing. It's being gentrified, is that the name of it? It was at a time of year when... It was at a time in in history where they were starting to put in the high-rise apartment blocks. Okay, So the council flats... Like where Rose lives? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Those areas. Well Perfect. done. Thank you. And, you know, when they were moving That's in, everyone England was really to the, excited. To the U.S. It's the, the doctor. The doctor, yeah. right doctor who yeah, is our, our Britain. Yep. And attack the block. <laughs> you know, years well, later, we see them. Yeah, yeah okay. they're living in the attack, the, the, the apartments. So I, I love that, that it's... It's the encroaching new century. Mm-hmm. Their blo- their apartment is at the end of the row because we see that the end of their building and one house at a time is being swallowed up by the the seventies. The seventies is approaching. Seventies is coming. The seventies is coming, mm-hmm. and their their building is the last one that's not yet demolished. And your dude, you're right that that hearing. By the way, Bob Dylan song. So, but hearing that hearing all along the Watchtower that iconic guitar. And then seeing seeing the the '60s crumble and fall to the anthem of the '60s, mm. as as Marwood walks out in the coolest fucking leather jacket. Did you've you ever say seen. that that jacket sold at auction for like? They sold both. Jackets. They, they sold did. both, yeah, for like Fuck. 
a lot of money. B- boodles and that oodles of cash. Sexy. <laughs> Both of them are. I like. Well, uh, yeah, you know, I yeah. like. I like Marwood's like high waist. Uh, sorry, Wivnell's high waist tweed. Yeah, as it, well. It, of every there's, I think there's three separate jackets we see in the movie, and they're they're all totally amazing. But the leather jacket and and Withnail's jacket. Are when he wraps himself in the cottage that first morning, he wraps himself in that in jacket, that puts the glasses, oh. round glasses on. But jumping, yeah, yeah, yeah. jumping right. in the jumping in this in the in the Jagmark too. This just piece of shit. The the guitar. This this to me feels like a, a sort of at the beginning of Sid and Nancy. The punks are full of energy, and by the end, there's no punks left but one. Mm-hmm. In this movie, this seems to me like the last mo- genuine moment of Middle Finger. Not American middle finger, but British middle finger. Exactly. This to me is the last, dude. There's this is this is Butch Butch and Sundance. Fuck yeah! Me. I was just gonna say it's like Butch and goddamn Sundance. It's so man. this is it, man. This Ugh. is the last the last two jumping in their dilapidated ass horse, listening to their jam one last time. It's fucking epic. I think in, actually, in the Bohemian in the, in the documentary, didn't they they mentioned them as being like sort of like mm-hmm. a Butch and Sundance? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's dude, they. He gets in the car. You can see they, there's the the shot's beautiful because we stay pretty. We follow the wrecking ball down. We see him come out the door. We stay pretty tight on him. And when we we pan back as he gets into the car, and you can see the entire block demolished, but theirs, but their building. The last remnant. And then rather than this is genius cinematography. Rather than cut, the camera just waits there until the car pulls up. So the car moves into frame and the camera follows in and that would, that's what creates our medium close. And Marwood looks one last time. He will return to this spot, but this is really his goodbye because he, he comes back a different person. This is mm-hmm. his hero's journey into the transformative place. But dude, he looks out the window one last time at the last decade and flips down those linen shades, man, that that does perfectly round perfectly mm-hmm. there is just no, attached to the glass there's yeah. no other word than iconic and i like that it's just attached to the glasses because once again it's just a titch shitty mm-hmm. yep. you know what i mean i fucking love, love it. it and then off they go and then we get that we get bleak hilarious like they're throwing themselves into the streets to scrubbers scrubbers <laughs> That was a Richard E. Grant <laughs> line as well. He says that in the documentary, oh, doesn't he? Yeah. He heard that line. That was that was from him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to drive the car as quietly as possible. <laughs> How do you even manage that? Little tots, they love it. <laughs> but dude, it's and off off they fucking go. And then uh I I love once again, this movie this movie sets this movie's very aware of what it is. And mm-hmm. I think that the people who talk about it in the documentary aren't seeing what it is because this movie sets up again the only word is iconic that is utterly and totally iconic but the next thing we see is them you know like oh we're driving into the country off we go you know we've got Jimi hendrix on the radio and with nails pounding booze to the left how cool are we and the next thing we see is they're fucking totally lost on a backcountry <laughs> road one of the most beautiful shots i've ever seen that uh, backcountry road down this there's this single headlight like this because there's this storm raging and 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 the the single headlight is going down this beautiful pitted 
bumpy road and it makes the headlight jagged it's like this anemic jaundiced lightning coming at you down this this dark country road in the rain and then we cut into the car and since there's no wiper on his side he can't fucking see anything he tries to get out to take he's trying to take the wiper off to put it on the driver's side but it won't come off off so he wakes with nail up (laughs) 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 and and and, we and he s- is so panicked. But you, this dude is this, such a <laughs> dude. This this movie gives you this movie again and again gives you a feast and then makes you pay the bill. Yep. I love that it's not it's not Easy Rider. A lot of times Easy Rider just gives you the feast and then fucking let's go. Right. This movie gives you like here's your Jimi Hendrix. Here's these beautiful metaphors and shots and how cool do we look? And the next thing is, Withnail wakes up with a hangover. And and Marwood can't drive, and he's in a panic. And, and you still aspirins. remember him going back to Britain. You're still hitting that end of an era because they're driving on a modern motorway. Now those motorways haven't been around that long at that point. That's why they're so empty. You know the American infrastructure was built on the motor car, whereas ours isn't. Right. You know, ours, most of our infrastructure was still from horse and cart. Days. I've heard that's why London's such a pain in the ass to oh, drive yeah. around. The streets well, aren't meant for cars. No. And what happened during uh, in 1666 during the Great Fire of London, um, the guy I can never remember his name, but the guy who did uh, St Paul's Cathedral, he actually re after the Great Fire had wiped out everything. He redesigned the city, like in like a grid system, like New York or anything, modern American city. And the landowners rejected it. And they went, mm-hmm. no, fuck that. I want my house back where it was. Right. And it just got built up again. So that's why you've got all these tiny little nooks and crannies streets still, because they wanted their yeah, house where it was. This is where I live. <laughs> this is where I live. Yeah. Wow. And so that's why you've got these little single track country lanes, because it was just the one horse and cart driving the hay, you know. And that's and that we didn't have whole carriages and stuff. That right. was always the aristocratic story. That's why I say, um, that's why we call it a boot and not a trunk on the car, <laughs> because it was an aristocratic form of transport, and it's where the footmen used to stand. So that's where they would put their boots. Whereas it's a mass transport Mother over fucker. here, <laughs> and it's where you put a trunk to travel long distances. Linguistics. With, with <laughs> dude, we we learn so much. On I this know. Show. I love <laughs> it's it. Movies and learning. I'm only ever smarter when we're done, except after um uh, that one movie. I can't even remember the name of it. Die Hard Five. No, don't fucking ever Sorry. bring that up again. <laughs> no, is that uh, it was that Sophia Coppola flick? Was it called? Oh, Bling Ring. Bling Ring. <laughs> Did it bring you back to? I the was mo- dumber after Billy that. Madison in the debate. Uh, Everyone is dumber <laughs> from hearing <laughs> that. <laughs> Thank but, you. Uh, Two, two more great lines as they're driving, which is Marwood being like, but where the fuck are we? Get the map out. And, you know, like, you're going to have to call things out for me because I can't see. And he goes, where the fuck are we? And, and uh, <laughs> we've already seen, like, uh, I think we started with, I've got a bastard behind the eyes. Where's the aspirin? <laughs> And, and with, with <laughs> nail goes, die. <laughs> if I don't get an aspirin, I shall die. But I love that he goes, where the fuck are we? And Withnail goes, how should I know where we are? I feel like a pig has shat in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and when when they we figure out where the aspirin is, because uh, Marwood goes, well, where, where is the aspirin? Like, he asks it back to him, and he goes, it's, 
in the cabinet back at the apartment. So in the I love I love the little the little insinuation there, which is Marwood doesn't think they're gonna need aspirin because this is meant to be a break, a break. from what yeah, they're yeah, doing. Yeah. And it's uh, a vacation from their crazy shit. Yeah, and, they, they're, and they're heading to Penrith, Northern England. Mm-hmm. And so I worked it out. It's about a ten hour drive back Holy then. Holy shit. Back then it would have been about a ten hour drive. Because again, you don't have the infrastructure that you do today. You don't have the speed of the cars. Sure. But you only have like maybe I mean, that one probably was the M1. It was the very first. It, I love, I lo- when you go to Britain and you drive up the M1, essentially at the first exit from London, it just says, the north. <laughs> That's awesome. It's just, from here on, it's, it's the, the north. north. <laughs> so we don't really talk a about it as places. Just, a lot of planets have a north. Yes, it's just the north. Um, so yeah, but the majority of that drive would have been backwards country lanes. It's, Crazy, you know, 10 hours of... That's yeah. why it's like, I'm so tired. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. There must and shall be aspirin. Um, I love, so I love when we get to where we're going, when we get to the cottage. And they see it, they both see it in entirely different ways. At one point later on, Marwood says, like, why does your, why does your uncle own such a piece of shit <laughs> in the middle of nowhere anyway? But it, you see, you see their different perspectives right here. And after that first dark night of the soul if you will that trying evening of my god when they come in he gets out of the car and he's like a six year old he's he's got his arms out out, holding and it's like a very stiff walk I'm cold I'm Right, you know. they, they get in and they look around, and Withnail immediately goes and sits and pouts yeah. in a chair. I'm enjoying my holiday. <laughs> Marwood gets a gets a a lantern lit and goes looking around, sees the pump, and he starts taking stock. Richard, uh, no, not Richard E. Grant. Bruce Robinson described, I think, described his character really interestingly, which is he's the part of your brain that solves problems for you when you're hammered drunk. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Because he's like, when he goes over to the fire, he goes, look, we're going to approach this scientifically. How many times have you been, dude, I've been walking, I've walked home from bars Doing before. Doing complicated math, <laughs> trying to figure out how to make stairs I work. I don't know if you do this too, but where you talk to yourself, where you're, I oh, would, dude. you hit yes. a hill and suddenly the ground's not level anymore. So you start saying aloud, you're like, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. One foot, one foot, don't there fall over. Is. Keep yep. walking, and you just keep stepping. Just lift it a little higher yep. so you don't oh, stumble. Oh, we stumbled. <laughs> oh, okay, lift the knees, lift the knees. And you're talking to yourself at 2 o'clock in the morning yep. on a deserted street. That's Marwood <laughs> right here. <laughs> and I love I love that he goes to Withnail and he's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out the water and the plumbing, and you're going to figure out the wood and fuel situation. <laughs> and Coming back with a fucking twig. <laughs> One <laughs> twig. <laughs> What's that? Wood and fuel situation. <laughs> So it doesn't help that it's pouring outside either. I fucking love this storm, dude. It's always storming. I love mm-hmm. it. They don't love it as much as I do. Well, this is the. I mean, I mean, I. If you want to talk about the the hero's journey, mm-hmm. this is that. This is their port. You need. You need port a, in a storm. No, you need a. Tr- you need a trial. It's the. I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. there's always the you go through a trial, and that's what takes you into the underworld or the world that you're not familiar with, because mm-hmm. they've been living in the underworld. So now they're in <laughs> they've a just different underworld. <laughs> it's an underworld in the country. Yeah, I so I, I love that. So basically, they get through this one night, but which is funny. But what really gets amazing is the next day. So far, one of the things that we haven't seen in the movie, even when they're in Regency Park, you said. Mm-hmm. 
the the color grade in Regency Park mutes the Regents, tree. Regents, Regents, Regents Park. Park. So they're in Regents Park, and the color grade there, if you watch the Criterion edition, mm-hmm. has the the greens crushed down, so they're almost like a like a gray black. The mm. trees don't look proper vibrant. Green. Yeah, right. this is where we start introducing green into the palette of the film. And there's a lot of it. Yeah, and you get that beautiful Spanish guitar in the background. He's putting those glasses on to have a look out, isn't he? It's like you're seeing for the first time. With no sunglasses, yeah. too. That, yeah. That's been removed from the, the shades. And this is mm. we're seeing Marwood kind of... I like, too, that the film, again, violates what we see because uh, shortly hereafter we'll be introduced to Marwood's red sweater, which he wears throughout the rest of the film. But he comes out and we see this green, verdant, countryside and he's wrapped up and we get the beautiful spanish guitar and he walks down to the the neighboring farmer's place <laughs> and he opens the door but do you notice how happy he is as well yeah. he's, he's swinging the cane like yep. charlie little, chaplin in that jaunty. situation he's walking along he he's clear as well yeah it's almost like he's clear already well like he hasn't he's drunk. off he's hung yeah he hasn't drunk so anything that's, that's no, kind of 10 hours of driving where he didn't drink yeah and then, yeah he's dry the glasses out. are almost like that's the model of saying his mind is clear now. Like, yeah. your vision is clear. Right. It, oh, dude, that's... <laughs> ah, symbolism. Nice. There you go. I love it. Um, One of the things that I like <laughs> is even here in this paradise, and it's showing, it's setting us up with Spanish, beautiful Spanish mm-hmm. guitar, and dude, that shot of the lake with the mists coming down off the... It, it's setting us up for like, and now they're in <laughs> pastoral paradise. Except mm-hmm. you're watching with Noel and I, so... <laughs> well, it has that, it's got a little bit of that British cynicism, which yep. I dig. He knocks on the door, and basically the old woman opens it up and is like, "Fuck off!" And yeah, the door essentially. And you're like, "Oh, it's nope. We're still, nope, we're, still here. we're still in the world." And yes. he mentions H.E. Bates, which is a old old author um, wrote a book called The Darling Buds of May, and that's set in rural England, the um, north. No, actually, it's in Kent, which is in <laughs> below London, but it's very rural. But it's it's beautifully it. Um, makes it sound idealistic sure you know you've got pop larkin um he's the main character he's a farmer but he's a tax dodger because he doesn't pay taxes because he lives his life the way he does he gets yeah. cash and he spends it it's like taxation many... is theft <laughs> yeah but it's it's a beautiful sort of there's a tv show as well which i absolutely loved so it's um, the Catherine perfect... zeta jones debut it's like the, the, the perfect version of all of that yeah so he's getting he's going into this thinking this is what it's like you're gonna throw eggs and fresh cream at him yeah right yeah <laughs> Yeah, and shed loads of lard again, and, and and what you get is fuck off, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you need to talk, and she's like, you need to talk to the owner of the farm, and he's got yeah. his leg wrapped. Son, yeah, he's her son, <laughs> and his legs he's wrapped in paraffin or whatever because yeah. he's been gored by a bull. By a bull yeah. that's yeah. wanting to fuck him. Yeah. He's up on the mountain, fuck knows why. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Oh yeah, because he comes back. <laughs> That's where you get the regional again. You get the, right. the commonality. Yep. He's up on that mountain. Fuck knows why. But okay. he's your man. Yeah. <laughs> on your way back, and then on the way back, check yeah. the shed. If there's yeah. nothing in the shed, bring, bring in, in the, the shed. shed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he, they they catch up with the farmer. <laughs> Please, we've gone on vac. We've gone on holiday by mistake. By mistake. Are you the farmer? <laughs> Stop saying that, Withnail. Of course, he's the fucking farmer. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's dude this might be the most quotable movie outside of the big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. 
this is this and the Big Lebowski. This these are the, our two respective countries' quote most quotable films, dude. It's stunning how good it is. I love, I love that with nail because right after we get, I can bring you some wood and I can bring you a chicken. He doesn't bring them split wood and he brings them a live chicken. And That's he, a brilliant scene as well when it pans oh back God. and you see the live. He's looking at it going, dinner, dinner, <laughs> and he goes, alive." <laughs> Speedy little eyes. I love that he's like, I can't kill, I can't kill it. I'm non-violent. And he's like, ah, but I brought in the wood. And he goes, all right. How do you make it dead? <laughs> I think you've got to throttle it. Oh my God. He goes, you hold it, I'll strangle it. <laughs> uh, and he goes, I can't. I can't do it. He's got those beady black eyes that follow you everywhere you go. He goes, all right, I'll strangle it, but you've got to get the guts out. Oh. I love when they try and stuff the raw chicken <laughs> in the chicken. <laughs> We'll boil this fucker. <laughs> but the answer is even brilliant. Oh my it's god, even it's even better. better. No, yeah. Do you want to take its feet off? No. He goes, no, he's I going to. Idea. He goes, don't, sh- shouldn't it be more bald? No. And then he goes, shouldn't, should we take its legs off? No, he's going to need his legs <laughs> to sit. So prop him up. It, and the dude, this raw, like, mange looking chicken just god, it's so sitting. Disgusting. It's fucking hilarious. But like, also sorry. hilarious. Brilliant. Punching it into oh. a tea kettle is about the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's like a great moment of there broad comedy. Fuck yes. you, producer. Get rid of the shoes in the oven. The boots are they still pull in the, the boots. boots out. And it's They've full been of in there for a day steam. and a half. Oh my god, we're gonna get another gross foot moment in the next film as well. But oh. dude, um, I love I love that what we what we bookend the wood and the chicken with is he says I can bring you some wood and I'll bring you a chicken. Then we cut to the phone booth. So we see Marwood say, how can I fix this problem we have? The farmer gives him the raw materials. And what we ultimately see, yes, Withnail kills the chicken, which is an inherently destructive act. And Marwood does the cooking, which is an inherently constructive act. But we see Marwood take component pieces and do the work and they get right. results. They get fire and they get food. What we see with what Withnail does is he goes to the phone booth and he calls his agent and his agent offers him the raw materials for two jobs. Yep. You have an offer for an understudy and I can get you in for for meetings with these TV people because that's when he says, I pay you 10% for that to take my meetings. Well, then why don't you lick 10% of the asses? But he's been given two raw materials to work for himself and instead he opts not to. Yeah. He does nothing with what he's given. Ever. He's indignant that more isn't being done for him. It's when fucking it's all being it's all being handed to him. And the scenes are placed directly next to each other. It's so beautifully structured. It's almost like that parable when the the, the story of the the guy who falls in the hole and he's talking about how God will save him. God will save him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a Jewish guy turns up and he says, "Let me help you out." He said, "No, God's going to save me." And then. A, a Muslim turns up and no God's going to save me and he ends up dying in the hole dying yeah. of starvation gets up to speak to God and said well why didn't you help me I prayed for you all this time he said what are you talking about I sent you a Jew I sent you a Muslim I sent you all these people and you just didn't take their help Yeah, right. like I did try and help you right. you didn't take you didn't it didn't take it right and dude it's <laughs> the um you know, like if you take the drinking out, with nail is a lot of people that you. I mean, you. Know, he you is. Know he's that. Like well, he's half of the. He's half of the acting community. <laughs> with nail, <laughs> I'd say fifty-two percent. Add the drinking back in, and he's a quarter of the acting. <laughs> um, That's actually pretty accurate. I, think. I, I hate to say it, but like I don't want to. A lot of the reasons why you don't get the part is you sleep in for your audition. Oh God, <laughs> or like. 
Can you show up and you're still drunk because you forgot about it? <laughs> or you just you just smell drunk? You're like, are you? Have you bathed? Yeah, I did this morning. <laughs> I put old clothes on, though. Oh, David's opening the mince I pies. Did, I did shower, but I put on yesterday's clothes. Uh, By yesterday, <laughs> I mean I've been wearing them all week. I always came correct because I come from the I come from writing, and if you're if you're late on deadlines, oh sure. If you're late on deadlines, if you don't get there to turn shit in, if you don't follow your instructions, you just don't get you work. You just don't get work, yeah. And if you turn down... Well, it ter- turns out that way when you audition, too. I know, yeah. I know, but I, when I was showing up for auditions, I was like fucking straight... I was in like suits and stuff, and they're like, you... This is a college thing. Right. You don't, you don't have to <laughs> don't actually have wear to. a tie. Right. You know? <laughs> you just fill out this form, please, and we'll call your name when we're ready for you. Yeah, like, and you're actually... You're weird. This is just for a class, so you're gonna... Oh, my God. You just... I will gladly. Oh I just... Disca- I never had one of these before. I always thought they were... I always thought they were literally meat. Used to be. But, oh. Yeah. Oh, they're not they anymore? Were. So what's in no. them now? Fruit. It, it's, yeah. Oh, because I it's love like, a savory pie. It's like figs and dates. These are like a fruity pie, yeah. They're so fucking good. But it used mm. to be minced meat. We were stalling because I, the next note, I wanted to, I want you here. For the next okay. two notes because I thought they were so good. I am back. Okay. Shotgun fishing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, just, just have a Did you just, get to Jake's eels first? Because that happens first, doesn't it? The eels. Uh, I think, I thought the eels were. Poachers first. Is Poach, the poacher first? Because they go to the pub, don't they? Yeah. All right. So and then wh- they drink all day, right till time, and you've got the dip. Again, he's playing a role with the with the landlord, doing military, and he says, what do you do Getting military things? Got us free a drink, didn't Quadruple I? scotch. No, he's yeah. just doing single scotches. And threatening me with a fish. <laughs> <laughs> so the poacher, uh, at closing time, the poacher shows up. With an <laughs> eel in dude, his pants. Yeah. Eel in his pants, and he's got a weird hump, and it's a it's pheasant. A pheasant. <laughs> this is straight out of Monty Python. This, this is. is. This, this is a Monty Python. Python yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so the fucking funny. Sketch. Yes. Because mm-hmm. they're sitting, and they look over at him, and Jake, Jake pours himself a beer, and then he reaches into his pants and pulls out an eel that isn't quite dead. <laughs> like, he must have felt it, like... It's yeah, he's just moving, yet. just wriggling a bit. Wriggling a bit, so he pulls it out and just slams it on the bar. <laughs> and you're like, this is probably what rural England yeah. is really like. Like, people just... Oh, hold on. We've got to yeah, kill this thing on the bar yet. really quick, yeah, and they just... He kills it on the thing and then stumps it back down back his pants. Back in his drawers. And he pulls the pheasant out from under his shoulder. Well, no, they come over first and... Uh, Are you the poacher? Yeah. It's straight up, isn't well, it? It's like, there's no Well, he goes no over bail. and he goes, we like, could we have one of your eels? <laughs> and he goes... No, fuck off. And he goes, I haven't got anything. And he's like, yes, you have. You've got eels in your... down. You've got fish down your pants or whatever. And he goes... And then uh, the bartender comes back out. He pulls a full pheasant out of his... Shirt. It looks like a hump. You don't know what it mm-hmm. is. And he pulls this pheasant out and gives it to him. And he goes, "Oh, even better. We'd like to buy a pheasant." He goes, "I haven't got any pheasants. I haven't got anything to sell." And he goes, "Yes." Or no, he goes, "I have." He was like, "We just, we don't, we just want a bird." And he goes, "I don't have any birds, and you haven't any birds either, because it, poaching is illegal." Mm-hmm. So he goes, "I don't have any birds. You don't have any birds." And Withnail goes, "Of course you do. You're the poacher." <laughs> <laughs> if I hear one more word out of you. Dude, the Jake the Poacher is such an awesome character because he's very regional. Them <laughs> <laughs> pheasants are for his pot. <laughs> These eels, eels are for, for my, my pot. pot. And he goes, and he goes, pot, what pot? And he goes, our cooking, our cooking pot. pot. See, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love that little like almost throwaway line. Like, your, yeah, he gets your it. Friends got. He knows what's up. You need to shut your up. Your friend's though. not an idiot. You are, however. 
and then he threatens him. But it's like that. I love that there. His threat actually doesn't really have any malice behind it. You know, yeah. it's just a. It's a. It's there's a marked difference between him and the angry Irish guy in the bar earlier. Mm. Oh, very. Because they yeah. get they get chased out of bars by people who are mad at him twice. But the second time, the guy says, "I might, I might." I mean, he actually says, "I might bring you a rabbit." And Withnail goes, "We don't want a rabbit. We want a pheasant." And you're like, shut, shut the up. fuck up, dude. <laughs> yep. He just said he might bring you a rabbit. He doesn't even want you to pay for it. He just said he might bring you a rabbit because you seem helpless. Well, he thinks he's, Withnell thinks he's safe until he realizes that Jake knows who they are and where they're living. And where they live. And then he's like, oh, okay. Oops. <laughs> and oh, shit, what yeah. I, One of the things I love about that is he's, he's like, he's like, fuck you, you fucker. You don't know where we live. And he goes, I do know where you live. I've been watching you for a couple of days, prancing around. Like bump, bumping around in the muck, and Withnail goes pale white mm-hmm. and silent, and they leave the bar. And when they are safely away from the bar, Withnail screams and shouts and I'll fuck the fucker up, I'll kill him. And that is also a beautiful scene. That one. It is when you are up on those hillsides. Mm. That is the Lake District. Yeah, you know that. And he's just raging at nothing in the, at night. the world. Full stop, isn't it? He's just he's it's that. It's that um, the James Dean scene, right on the on the top of the roof. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I love that. He, but I love that he only does it when he's safe. Mm-hmm. Like later on, he dismisses. He well, dismisses. Well, that makes it. It's a performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's but it's yeah, and it's this. It's he lives some in, local type. He does when he's talking to Monty. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't bother him. That other face is on, isn't it? He's oh yeah. Such a. He's such a. He has such a fantasy world that he lives in because we all know people like this too. Like as soon as you're past the danger, as soon as the in the moment of danger, oh, you, you lock up, you freeze hero up. Then, yeah, buddy. and then you're yep. done. You're like, oh, I would have if he would have started anything. Oh, I would have said, him you know what, I should have. A lot said. of my brother's friends are like that. Yeah, um, I was in a car. We're with, all like that, and to some extent. Yeah, well, I was in a, I was in a car with him one time when we were cruising really really fast. I wasn't driving. Sam wasn't driving. Was someone one of his friends driving super fast through a residential neighborhood. And a big burly motherfucker ran out of his house and j- stood in front of the car. And we like Holy dynamited shit. the brakes and we're sitting in the back like, shit. And he comes up to the car and puts his hands on the hood and he's like, slow the fuck down. Like, we got kids in this neighborhood. If you drive through here again, I'll pull you out of the car and kick your ass. No one said shit. Of course Everyone not. just shut up and said, of course, sir, we're really sorry, you know. Mm-hmm. Pull away. One block later, they're like, if you just started anything, I would have fucked that guy up. What a piece of shit. And I'm like, no, you would not. To my brother's credit, he's like, he's like, why didn't you do it then? Right. Like, what do you, (laughs) you guys were scared shitless. Probably just, you probably, there's probably piss on you. Hey, you're pooping your pants right (laughs) now. You know, but like, dude, it, it is, it's a beautiful scene. And the decision to shoot wide too, because it makes with nail really small. Mm. Brilliant. Um, so shotgun fishing. Can we jump to that now? Yeah, yeah. I need flesh. <laughs> He's tired of his oh, yeah, vegetable soup. Too much vegetables. Too many carrots. Too much. I need flesh. I need flesh. They go out and we see with now, like, with his coat flipped up over his shoulders, like, comically prancing through a stream with a shotgun. And it's trousers rolled up. Trousers. It's the most ridiculous and the same time sad fucking shit I've ever seen. It's is he wearing his, trousers or is he wearing I his underwear? He's, I, oh, he's, he's wearing in his, his underwear. underwear. He has underwear. Because yeah. I have a note about it that he has no tidy pants on. Tidy whities. Mm-hmm. This is one of my all-time favorite. Same pair he's been wearing for a month. <laughs> and and this is that sneaky. There's this is a moment, one of those sneaky moments of this movie, where we're seeing something really funny and it's comical, and then 
the, and then all of a sudden everything pauses and it feels really natural. But if you are watching, you realize that we pause in Tableau and it means something means something i'm air quoting because i make things mean stuff a lot i love that you do though so they they walk down the stream together to the bridge and after they've and shoots the mar was like there's two over here and he's shooting into the thing and water spraying up and it's hilarious and with almost falls and he gets up on so if you're looking at the screen they're under this beautiful stone bridge and marwood is on the upstream side of the bridge mm-hmm. and with nail is under the bridge almost out of it on our side so they're separated by the bridge they're also separated by the stream mm-hmm. because with nail's gone off and on the, the left stream bank has multiple levels too. correct and marwood is on the right hand side of the stream and marwood is up and with nail is down and where they are with nail is down amongst a bunch of rocks with nothing growing there and Marwood is standing in this beautiful patch of green sunlight with rich grass and rich green trees. He's standing in this this productive verdure where things are growing mm-hmm. and green. And he's holding, I think they actually got a fish or something because he's holding some kind of game or a bag. He has something. And all Withnail has is an empty gun and yeah. no pants. Nope. Fuck. I also love that he's under a bridge, which is where... And he looks ridiculous with his coat flipped out. He's where he's a troll. He's where bums go to and die. Bums too. And Marwood's out in the open air. And there's this awesome moment. They don't just end in tableau. There's this kind of like, like preview or like an echo backwards in time of their mm-hmm. goodbye because Withnail looks back and up at him, holding this gun, and Marwood looks down at him, and they're looking at each other across two liminal spaces across time. Oh God, it's so fucking beautiful, dude. It's it's just gorgeous. And then there's another moment kind of like that a little later, but first let's... First, let's get to. Do you want to get to Monty's arrival? Oh, <laughs> do I ever? Oh, Monty. You talk. So he's chew. so Monty. He's just the most well-meaning soul ever. He just wants to eat food and and fuck. Essentially, <laughs> I don't think he's well-meaning. I don't. I was. That, oh. You didn't sense the heavy sarcasm. <laughs> I'm a little there rusty. There is intent. <laughs> I mean, they even. Said, I mean, he drove ten miles because he wants to get in ten, the, ten hours. hours. Ten hours. That, I meant. Sorry. Withnail even says, "I didn't think he'd drive think that he, far." Well, I didn't think he'd come this far. That's why I didn't mention anything. But yeah, he's pretty heavy-handed um, in his approach. Monty is rather in heat. Yes, he oh is. God. Much like the bull on the hill. <laughs> it's very true. He, he can break a leg. He, well, he says, bold. I'm going to have you even I need to if, if burglar. Even if I'm, I intend to have you even if, even if it must be burglary. Burglary, yeah. For, buggery. Was it buggery or burglary? He says, he burglary. says burglary. He says burglary. Well, because, and then buggery. No, because one of the... It's, that's, that's a joke where early on um, Marwood doesn't want to be left alone with Monty. And he's like, all right, well, one of us needs to go out and and uh, fetch something. I can't get, get some wood or something. And uh, and they're like, uh, Marwood's like, I'll go. But Withnail's like, no, I, I'm terrible at cooking. One of them want, has to stay and cook, and the other's going to go do this thing. So Withnail's like, I can't cook. You're the cook, so I'm going to go. And Marwood goes, well, then I better go outside and uh, and work I'll, on the I'll car. Come with you. Oh, yeah, okay. And get our car free. And Monty goes, nonsense, boy, we've got my car. And he goes, yes, but if something happens to your car, we're buggered. 
I mean, we're. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we're out. We're out of luck. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I wasn't giving you uh, any. So- oh shit! God damn it! You can just see it in his face as soon as he says it because he's 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 trying to be like snippish and offhand, but like you can see Monty's eyebrow kind of, and he's like, ah. Um, Your eyes never left me during lunch, but then at dinner, you didn't even look. Didn't at even me. look at me. <laughs> um, so. He he's uh, I think Withnail picks up the two bags, like the two plastic bags, and he's like, "What Rose are those?" Mary. No, not yet, because the, the oh, right. oh, we got to go back to the Welling. Oh, do you want to worrying go? about Jake? Yeah, let's you know, go. He's let's go right back to that. Oh, we we kind of jump forward <laughs> there yep, sure to does. get to the buggery joke, which yeah. is so you hear funny. The, the, the glass break, and they're sitting in the oh, bed. They're laying in the bed, being burgled by Jake. Well, they think that Jake has come to kill them. <laughs> we mean you. Know. Well, later on, there's this great moment where uh they don't uh Withnail doesn't want to be left alone because he's like leave me alone in this in this cottage with these windows these are the windows that face is looking at yeah. <laughs> but um who writes that that is incredible it's writing brilliant but what what happens first is uh marwood's sleeping and Withnail comes in because he's with a gun he's and got a the lantern. rifle across him <laughs> put the rifle down no nope. he's like this is my bed and if you're going to be here we will not have the rifle he's like no no i need the rifle and they shoot a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> so Marwood's like, you fucking asshole. And he goes into Withnail's room. That, that's the really, larger bed, yeah. The, the larger, larger bed, bed yeah, the master the bedroom. Bed. And Withnail comes in there, too, and covers his mouth. And he's like, shh, shh, do you hear it? And he's like, no, I don't hear anything. Withnail, you're, it, you're, you're talking crazy. You're talking crap. And then you hear, like, <laughs> and they're like, it's oh. him. And Withnail <laughs> climbs into bed, dude. And Richard E. Grant's, like, Slow clasping of the sheet of the top cover. He turns into a child whose boogie monsters Dude. come out of the closet and commentating on each yes. sound. Every he sound. He can't, he, he, his blade. He, he can't. He can't come in. He can't come in. We've nailed the door shut. And then you hear a gl- you hear a glass break. And he goes, he's coming in through the window. And you hear <laughs> he's sharpening a fucking knife <laughs> up the stairs. We hear a door open. And he goes. He went to your room first. He wants you. Go to him. Offer him. Offer him. Yourself offer yourself to him. him. <laughs> and they're like, "We're going to have to tackle him." <laughs> He's like, "Here's what happens. You tackle him, then I'll jump on him and get it away." He goes, "No, you'll be too late. He'll stab. I've gotten the knife by then. We'll have to make friends with him." <laughs> the door like creaks slowly open. The last noise is ah! Oh my god! Like that crazy <laughs> moan. Especially later when we find out what Monty thinks they were up to, yeah. dude. Withnail's sound is so hilarious. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. <laughs> and then you get the most quoted line, which is Monty, you terrible cunt. <laughs> <laughs> And Marwood is just laughing his yeah. ass off, delighted that he's not about to be killed by yes. a by a rural type. <laughs> but now he has another kind of burglary to worry about. Yeah, because now it's dude, it's and this is very comedy of errors. Yes. Because Monty is operating under the assumption that, that Marwood is is an open. O- overtly ho- open homosexual who's gotten in legal trouble for toilet trading for uh, soliciting sex in men's restrooms. Mm-hmm. Men's public restrooms. So, and then Monty catches him and Withnail in bed. P- 
part of Withnail's story was that Marwood is in love with him, but Withnail can't love him back. So, like, everything that Withnail said seems to be borne out in this one farcical situation. Mm-hmm. So Mon- all of Monty's, like, maybe tenuous ideas about it are immediately cemented. It's brilliant writing. Mm-hmm. And it's hilariously funny. It's just like it is with a, with, a, with a touch of. I mean, it gets a it gets a wee bit uncomfortable. How this this particular scene or later on? Later on. Oh yeah, later oh, yeah. on. It was gets like, like I know you're not sleeping, boy. Horrifying. That's horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually like a genuinely frightening scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not there. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. So the next thing is like breakfast with Monty when he's cooking cooking all sorts of food. We find out he didn't break the window. It was a bottle that was left on the window. Do you so. notice how much lighter the room is as well? Mm-hmm. After he's arrived, he's kind of got all the shit together. And he's brought <coughs> more wine and there's food yeah. and they're eating proper it's much food. More opulent uh, yes, and all yes. of a sudden you see, ah, this is how he lives in this Ex- dilapidated in space, yes. cottage that everyone's kind of saying, why, why does he own this dump? Uh, it's just rustic. All of a sudden it's much brighter, yes. right? And you've got all that food kind of hanging out the boxes and stuff. And Really, Vintage wines help mm, any situation. I love that observation. It's the same space. You you always have the same space. It's just how you choose to live in it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they choose to live in like this weird, dingy squalor with the curtains always drawn. But when you're right, when Monty gets there, it's bright. It becomes pastoral. What's the equivalent of f- showing up at your family cottage at the start of the spring, right after it's been locked up for the whole down, winter? You got to change yeah, the. They don't. They don't yeah. do that. No. Right. You know, they just. <laughs> no, they, they don't. Just live they don't it air it, it out at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> very yeah, very fish out of water, which I love. Um, we find out that they don't get. <laughs> we find out that uh, they they don't. Neither of them brought their Wellingtons. So. Which are boots. Yeah, rain boots. Big. Why didn't know if people knew or not? We call them muck boots in the UP. Probably down here too. Uh, boots. Boots. Muck boots. Muck Wellingtons boots. are what we call muck boots in the Upper Peninsula. <laughs> um, are they sliders? The things you put over? Yeah, rub- or? no rubber boot. The rubber boots that you pull on, you yep. just wear them there. I think there's a brand called muck boots. They're cool. black. They they look. Ex- they're Wellingtons. Mm-hmm. Is what they are. And I Wellingtons mean- is a brand too. Fair enough. Yeah. So we but we call it generically any. There's you know many brands now, but. So for wellies, wellies would be put your wellies on, dude. So they go to town to get some wellies, and dude, come on, (laughs) this is fucking so good. (laughs) He gives them what is it like fifty bucks each? What does he say? Two blues. Two blues. Two blues. A blue is a fiver. Pair of blues. Pair of blues. One for each of us. Yeah, but but, you know this is nineteen sixty nine, so would be the equivalent probably of fifty sixty dollars each. Nice. So they go to the pub instead of going to get wellies. Well, <laughs> what doesn't he say? He's like, what about the well? Marwood says, like, what about the Wellingtons? <laughs> oh, balls. Oh, balls to the Wellingtons. Balls to the Wellingtons. Um, does he, is that what he says? No, tell th- him? there's a run on something. And there's we'll tell no him there's a run on, uh, there's a Farmer's Expo. That's <laughs> right. There was a run on Wellingtons. <laughs> there was a run on Wellingtons. <laughs> farmer's Expo in town. So, and you noticed something really cool when we watched this at your place, which was as... As they decide to say, like, balls to the Wellingtons, let's go into the pub, a man comes out of the pub with a pair of Wellingtons mm-hmm. on and walks off screen. And we, as we were watching it the first time, I'm, you know, like, out by Pluto or whatever, and David goes, oh, and look, there go the Wellingtons. And I was like, <laughs> this movie's fucking brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that now, yes. Oh, my God, it was so genius. <laughs> and then they're in there. Uh I don't really remember the. Oh, the, they're they run out of they're running out of time. So this is where they get two quadruple scotches. Oh yes. Well, you have you have times of day back then. Um, 
the pub would have closed mid-afternoon and then okay. reopened in the evening. Mm. So you had like the, the lunchtime, 11 till 1, 2 o'clock, and, and then, then it closes. closed for like four hours and it opens up in the evening again. Interesting. So, so that's they had like a... It's time for the afternoon. Yeah, they got yeah. a last call at lunchtime. <laughs> quadruple. Yeah. God damn it. Two quadruple whiskeys. Slam them down. Stumble out into the daylight. I need some cake to Dude. soak up the booze. <laughs> Well, he, he, they actually, like, look. And we don't see what they're looking at. But Marwood looks at something that we can't see off screen, and he goes, we should get in there, shouldn't we? Eat some cake. Soak up the booze. And then they walk into, like... It's a tea shop. Yeah. It is, like, the quaintest tea room. Old ladies holding their mutts, petting their dogs mm-hmm. at the table. This with lots an, of doilies this around. This is an old-person tea this room. This is where the... <laughs> yes. This is an English country village tea room. Uh, they still exist. We, Bird and I went to one God, that looked very that's like wonderful. it on Sky in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Like way, way back in like the, I mean, Sky is pretty much all the boonies, but we were mm-hmm. like on the coast at the far north. Best and, scones you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Nice cream tea. Forget milk, just go full cream. Oh, fuck yeah. That, that's exactly Clotted what we cream did. cream for, for your scone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, oh God, it was... And the yeah, you're right. All, all, almost all of the bakery up there mm-hmm. was just unreal. Some of the best meals I've ever had. But you, at the end of it, you do feel like you've eaten like a whole birthday cake. Too. Yes. <laughs> but um, dude, they come in and they just set up camp at the door, like right. Here at okay. The- <laughs> <laughs> Is here okay? Yeah, and they just crash. What do you want cake? <laughs> bring bring cake. Oh, they have. They're just chewing up all the bread in that yeah. huge well, basket. I think they say tea and cake, and it's not bread. They're eating like preset pastries. Preset pastries, mm-hmm. right? It's like it, it, it's buttering stuff. And it it kind of looks like cupcakes, but they look, whatever it is looks delicious. <laughs> they're yeah. just so they're eating like this like preset, and it's actually not both of them. It's just Marwood just mm-hmm. pounding. Munching, yeah. And uh, they're like, we're act- we're about to close. And they're like, it's clear they don't want them in there, is it? <laughs> they're not closing. They just no. want. Them. They want them gone because they're not the right type of... They're yes. fucking wasted, too. Yeah, <laughs> Hammered drunk. So fucking drunk. We're not drunk. We're a multi-millionaire. We're not drunk. <laughs> we're m- yeah. We'll buy this place. <laughs> you're fired. If you call the police... I can't remember fired. the lady's you're name. But I love the fact that Marwood uses her last name. Like She calls her by the full... Call and the police, Mrs. Cunningham, or something. No, no, Mrs. Cunningham. And it's a weird. It's a kind of a strange last name, and he like hits the syllables in a really funny way too. Yeah. It's her name's like Mrs. Like Abersmathlin or something, yeah. and he nails it too. He's like yeah. m- with a ne- mouthful of cake. With a mouthful of cake, and I love. <laughs> and I love a head full of booze. Yeah, yeah. dude. He, this is one of my favorite. He does really good drunk acting too. He doesn't. His high acting is better because he does like. Like a weed, like weed panic attack, better than anything I've ever seen. But I lo- there's a moment when he's because he's kind of drunk. But when the cops come into it, you can you you see him like sometimes you get that little surge and you feel sober for like a couple seconds before you go back under. Oh yeah, he nails it when he's like, Mrs. Cunningham, if you call the police, you're, you're fired. fired. <laughs> <laughs> <And> he, like, <laughs> we are multi millionaires. <laughs> We'll buy this place and then fire you. <laughs> Which, by the way, the multi-millionaires thing is funny on its own, but it's even more funny when Monty pulls up outside in that beautiful yeah, car and he goes, "Up, oh, up, oh, we're going. Our car has arrived. arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Another quotable moment, though. We yep. want the finest wines. We want them here and we want them now. 
<laughs> oh my god, it's the finest well, wines known to man. It's it's Beef. the actual here. I'll read you the exchange because I because this is just what I do, Carl. Is I. I this pause. movie makes sense <laughs> for that, sir. The the proprietor comes out, and he's like, "You're drunk," and he goes, "He goes, we're not drunk. Well, I assure you, no. Well, with Neil goes, I assure you, we're not." <laughs> and then he goes, "Call the police, Mrs. Blah blah blah," and this is when Marwood goes, "Just bring out the cake," and then with Neil goes, "Cake and fine wine." And then Mrs. Mrs. Cunningham goes, uh, if you don't leave, we'll call the police. And this is Withnail's line. He goes, balls. <laughs> we want the finest wines available to humanity. We want them here, and we want them now. And I think he, I think you were telling me that it, it was rated as like one of the top ten, or it was like the top 100 best, most iconic lines of oh, all yeah, time yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, in Britain, it, if you say that line, every, pretty much everyone knows it. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's so if I, if, I, if I was walk into a place yes, a and tea say that, they'd be like, We want the finest wines in humanity. Yeah. We want them here, and we want them now. Yeah, you have yeah, to say exactly it. Exactly like that. That's pretty much how His I American it. accent sounds like Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. Did well, that was just the... Did you hear it? It's just one of them. <laughs> he has many. Dude, well, that one was like spot on Nicolas Cage. But, uh, yeah, man. It, want them here? And we want them now. We want them here. Um, so we want them here, and we want them now. The finest wines known to humanity. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the third. Um, so they yes. they jump out and they get in Monty's car and they bring him back. And I love, I love that Mont like that. This is where Monty gets weird and catty, and he's like, "You're a terrible influence on him." We all know it. And like Marwood legitimately looks at him like. Are you fucking crazy? What? What are you talking <laughs> mm-hmm. about? I wanted to buy Wellingtons, and he got me a quadruple whiskey, and then we fucked up a tea room a little bit. That was his fault. And then, oh god, dude, you have the lovely British countryside on that one. I wrote down my blighty because the, they go on that hike together. I have a note. Oh, right. I have a note about the hike as well. Yeah, very meaningful. Again, maybe just me, but very meaningful cinematography. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever fucking seen. It's this long shot, very long. It's like maybe a minute with and a half. huge gnarly. There's a yeah. Tree there's a, there's a, like a gnarled windfall laying very close to the camera. And so the so the tree takes up a lot of the image, it's and in the it, yeah. in the background is a hill, but the hill is between two sections of the tree. So there's a trunk on the left, and then a mm-hmm. little bow, and a trunk on the right. And our three walkers, all distinct from each other, which I think is important. They never their silhouettes never cross. Right. They emerge from the left hand trunk because they're behind it, and they walk into frame as Monty's quoting Baudelaire. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's re- I think it's very important that they emerge from that left that left tree headed for the right tree, and your brain sets up. They're leaving from the left. They're going to arrive at the right, and then right right before they get to that right tree trunk, Monty turns them back down a switchback, and they leave from one place and so never arrive never where, they're, where going. they're going. Oh so God. it's a, it's like this me- totally meaningless journey with no. No resolution to it. I love, how this, I love how this film just is happy to take its time with stuff like yes, that. Yes, absolutely. You know, it gives you those moments of just peace. Quiet. Whether it's letting the, the songs play out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting to see yeah, exactly. this, this particular scene. You're getting to see that location mm-hmm. again through Monty's eyes. You can see this is what he does when yeah. he's there. And he might be fucking a young boy, 
while he's doing it. In between walks. he's also doing walks, yes. One of the in things, his Wellingtons. In a weird way, I like that no one's flat. No one is totally flat here because Monty has his own internal life. And Marwood constantly criticizes it in voiceover where he's like, we're walking with Monty and he's just quoting fucking Baudelaire and he's making fun of him. But you can see Monty is like legitimately kind of swept up in the countryside. And he's like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is so beautiful. I really like this. And and I feel at peace. Later on, Marwood kind of challenges him a little bit. And he's like, I don't understand. You know, it's not all roses. I don't understand how you could live out here. No proper facilities. And it's bizarre that it's Monty who has to be like, well, yes, challenges of boyhood, Mm -hmm. you know, like getting back out here and getting back down to basics. And you don't expect that from him because he's so, for lack of a better term, like foppish. I was going to say foppish. Yeah. (laughs) But he's out here and he, he does have like the, in the same way that Danny, the drug dealer does a lot of what he talks is bullshit, but every once in a while he has through his, Danny has destroyed himself in one way. Monty has destroyed himself in another. But they're, what they've done to themselves, the, the damage and destruction that they've gone through, have given them little pearls of wisdom. From time to time, they can actually impart something meaningful mm-hmm. because they've I mean, paid as, that cost. As dark as he gets later in the movie, you've got to think about the life that Monty has lived as a closet gay man at that time. You know, it's a, it's 60s, a criminal act yeah. Yeah. at that point. Up know. until in England, I think until through the 80s, right? Mm. Yeah. But um, I don't know if it was that late, but it was, I mean, back certainly, certainly in the 60s. Yeah. Certainly in the 60s it was illegal because Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager, was done for toilet trading. Um, and then later in life, George Michael got caught toilet trading. Right. <laughs> mm. Well, there and then there's uh, Alan Turing, the mm. famous story of Alan yeah. Turing, the guy who basically... Created the computer. Created the computer. Enigma device. The Enigma machine, yeah. Yeah. He was able to decode German transmissions, saved untold Mm -hmm. lives. Yeah, that's how we knew That's a great movie as well. The Imitation Game. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. Bird and I saw that in theaters, dude. That was just like fucking sobbing. So good. We'll do it for the show someday. And we'll have you on. Every time we do a British show, we'll just be like, David, what are you doing? Here comes your resident Brit. Between him and Chris Fieldhouse, we have. I was gonna covered. say we should do next year. We should do a month called the British Invasion and have them both on. That'd be great, dude. <laughs> um, I'll just sit here and listen to people talk. So they get back from their walk, and we get, dude. I, look, I know that it's about to get heavy and wacky and kind of creepy in a weird way, but playing cards and drinking Perno, fuck you, that is heaven. You know I was, fair, yeah. With Norton Monty, keep communicating. Keep communicating um, in Latin. In Latin. Because yes. they both have that education. There's a yep. joke about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, he went to the other place. Yeah. Eaton. Oh, he went to Eaton. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you wonder what they're talking about. I, ne- I never really took the time to say, what actually were they saying in Latin? What I like about them talking in Latin is it becomes, that scene becomes extremely classist. Mm-hmm. Because of that, mm-hmm. they're oh both God. on one side, and they have this. They yeah. look, they're both they looking at him. They both language, catch his exactly. eyes, don't they? As well, right? Yeah, that that they, they have because of a, the privilege of education. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, and you know, uh, uh, Marwood doesn't. Marwood. I liked that you said John Lennon earlier. I have a lot of trouble. Well, not a lot, honestly. Not as much as some people do. But look, I understand John Lennon's like a problematic figure, but he sure. is also like a like a Londoner who kind of didn't have a whole lot going on i like all of liverpudlian liverpudlian i like i like the uh the there was yeah are they all from liverpool they're all from liverpool yeah yeah i i like the british i like or i like the uh i like the beatles story which is they went and played in a cafe 
in Germany for 14 hours a day. And no Whacked one out on speed, yeah, to get yeah. through it. And no mm-hmm. one in England had heard of them. They had like one single that you can hear, mm-hmm. it's, and it was all like My Bonnie, yeah, yeah, they're like a really <laughs> rock and roll version of My Bonnie was their like one single that hit England, but they just slaved. And it even away. then, they were a backing group on that one, yeah. You can, dude, there, there's a great box set of it's, I think it's five discs, and it's all just Beatles rarities and B sides and oddities mm-hmm. and like uh, unused takes. They'll, there's like a bunch there's of tracks. A series of called Live at the BBC that they did as well in the early days, which gives you some of that before they'd actually built up enough content to just be playing the Beatles songs. Yeah. They would play all those old hits and it's interspersed with like the radio that's, that's where DJ they, as well. Yeah, but that's where they, a lot of their early stuff was basically covers. Covers of like rock and roll standards mm-hmm. kind of tweaked their own way and you can hear them copying until they start to develop a sound and then you hear them putting their own sound on stuff. I think that's why My Bonnie works so well. Mm-hmm. But what I love about them is there's four guys who didn't have shit going on and they went and slaved slaved away playing 14 hours a day in a small german Ugh. cafe for like i think it was they were there for like a year or more that's brutal that's a grind but I th- and george was 17 at the time when they first went like he, he had to get permission Didn't from his george, parents to yeah. travel wasn't george harrison one of the producers on this film handmade films yeah. handmade films is is uh, one of the fundings oh, yeah awesome. that was his and it's life of brian and but that's right. i mean mm-hmm. dude like at the end of that at the end of like that grind they came out the other end the beatles mm-hmm. you know and you get the sense that marwood would do that and withnail could not, not fathom even, a yeah. world where he had to do anything for 15 hours a day unless it was drink even mm-hmm. if even if he knew he would be a beatle at the end of it i don't yeah. think he would i did <laughs> Well, he's like, no, I don't want to be one of the Beatles. That's another person's oh, that's group. Another. There are three that's, others. I don't understand. I hate bubblegum pop. I hate those. I hate those Russian players full of women staring out of windows, complaining about ducks flying to Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and he obviously knows his stuff, doesn't yeah, he? He's yeah, obviously clearly. classically trained. Yep. He knows everything that's going on with that. Stuff. It's the diff. Uh, I mean, uh, Bruce Robinson says it really beautifully in the in the the documentary he knew a guy that he based with nail off of and he was like this guy knew his shit he just never did anything with what he knew like classical training is useless unless you apply it and with nail just never applies sometimes that means being an understudy and doing the russian almost all the time i like the russian plays dude who doesn't like russian the russian plays they're fucking great um so well maybe the maybe (laughs) maybe not um so post perno and cards Withnail abruptly stands up. He goes, "I don't feel well. I want to go to bed." <laughs> and Changes then, the deal, doesn't he? Because he's like, "If we're staying one more night, I'm having the door with a lock on it." Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. And no, that's not how that flies. Nope. God, dude. Th- so I put him to bed. <laughs> so Monty, I'm I'm very tired, Monty. I must go to sleep. Yes, but not that tired, eh? And you're like. Oh, mm-hmm. this is. Mm-hmm. I love how this scene builds because it takes place in three locations. That's right. It starts Ouch. in the upstairs hallway. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he's like, I don't. He doesn't want to. Sleep he went to get the it. pillow, didn't he? he? Went to get his stuff. I don't know. Is he getting a pillow? Is he getting his pajamas? He went to, I think, or something? His, his he goes stuff back to, go to his sleep bedroom, on the couch, doesn't he? Yeah. He went to no. He went. No, into, he's trying to get into. He's trying to get back bed, into Withnail's room. Oh, Withnail's room. Sorry. He put Withnail to bed. He's going to grab his shit and bunk out in there. But Monty has closed and locked the door, and he says, I think he should sleep alone tonight. So he's like, okay, you're in here. I'll be on the couch. Good night. 
and then Monty follows him downstairs and he goes uh, uh, I think Monty like excuses him, and he's like, "You go upstairs. I'll, I'll. It wouldn't be the first time that I've been left." The you, couch. I, I love the bit when you when he comes back down into the living room, and there's the shot. Marwood's close to the camera. Um, Monty is at the door, mm-hmm. but Marwood is frozen, bent over. Yeah, and so yeah. as he hears from the Monty's creak of point the door, of view, he's just looking he's like, straight right at that ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's. And the the horror because yeah. he's fro- you know Marwood's frozen and he's in frozen horror. he can't move he's yeah. like he's like this is yeah. well less than ideal <laughs> and he can't you know, obviously Monty can't see that face he just but he's looking at he that. just sees mm. he came down into the living room and what did he find he found Marwood on all fours on the couch and was it's like. like it's like a Looney Tunes right. cartoon when they look at something and it turns into like a roast chicken or yes. something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm. here it comes oh my god so he so he goes up. Uh, uh, Marwood excuses himself back up to his original bedroom and he puts a chair in front of the door and that detail makes this scene that totally changes the dynamic if it had just been him coming in the door you wouldn't have had the immediate sense of tension and danger because he has to force the door open yeah you hear Mm -hmm. him try it and then he kicks the fucker in it takes him a couple of times to get like Shove, I think it's like two because he like tries it, yep. but then he's like kabam, and he yeah. kicks the mm-hmm. chair out of it. And then Marwood pretends to be asleep. I, I know, know you're yo. not sleeping, God, boy. So Calls him boy. I know you're not sleeping, boy. No, I'm I'm not sleeping, Monty. What 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 do you want? He lights the candle, and we see that, and it's not funny. It isn't funny. But Mar but Monty's in makeup. He's put on. It's eye- unclear too because we're by candlelight, and it's kind of hard to. It's tell hard to first. tell, but he's put on eyeliner mm-hmm. and some eyeshadow. He's desperate as well, isn't he, for him? Now. And he yeah. is extremely he's desperate, panting and sad for and him. Fuck. It's, it, it, dude. It's not. I don't. I don't get any sadness from him until he corners him. Well, no. That's what this I'm, just that, feels like. You've played coquettish long enough. I'm going to have you. You tease you mm-hmm. because as far think about what he's seen and and how he's. If you just look from Monty's perspective, Marwood has been coming on because he's operating under false assumptions. Yep, exactly. So this all looks like just playing this cat and mouse. This is his game. Yes. So the, no, he thinks it's Marwood's game. That he's playing. yeah, and yes. I almost I almost think that the the burglary line that the if you really look at it from Monty's perspective I almost think that that kind of takes some of the tooth out of it in a good way it kind of makes it seem like you want to play hard to get maybe you're into like some like not not like rape fantasy but like if maybe you like it rough maybe you like it forceful I I can I can play that role I'm an actor sure I intend to have you like he's Mm -hmm. he's impassioned and he's reading Marwood wrong he's reading this as like no no don't do Mm -hmm. it Whereas Marwood's like, I will, if I had a gun, I'd kill you. Right. You know, and it's, it's those crossed lines that make this still funny, but it's, it's having Marwood's perspective that makes it frightening. It's also kind of tragic when you think about Monty's role because he's, it must've been, when you can't be open, Yeah. you're not, whenever something comes up and, oh, hey, by the way, he's up, he's the same as you. Right. You're going to jump on it with like. For want of a better word, desperate horniness. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like you can hear it when he says, "I adore you." Yeah, you know, it's like this. He's holding something back. He's probably fucking rigid as a rock right yes. now. You know, yeah. just the, waiting for it. Yeah, I, that dude. That's the the tra- the tragic sadness. You're right. That his delivery of "I adore you" makes it like fucks with me a little bit because 
He doesn't. He's only known him for like a two days. Mm-hmm. You know, he saw him in his thing, but, but it's he, such a rare and fleeting thing in that lifestyle, yeah. that time period. And also, he has another rich internal fantasy world, like with Nail does. Yeah. So he's like he's he's spinning this into this great romance, this cat and mouse coquettish game, and oh, in the, the, in the countryside. And yeah, the and like thing, yeah. perhaps we're in the like the bit in the grocery bags, like these are just these little these little sousons, these little teasers of what's to come. And now in the moment, he can't bear the tension anymore, but he doesn't realize he's doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, dude, it's, I love the bit in the corner too, because he gets, he he utterly corners Marwood, gets like right on him and he's just told him that he, you know, we talked about maybe, maybe he's playing a role, but he's straight up said like, if I have to force you to fuck me, I will. Because he th- maybe thinks that's what he wants, maybe mm-hmm. not, but this is Marwood's last chance to not get raped. And Marwood sees the inn because Monty keeps bringing up this thing about how Withnail and Marwood have a thing but Withnail can't love you he can't love you and Marwood goes there it is I'll he uses Withnail's own tactic against him which is mm-hmm. I'll just lie to this guy and work a story that it's very manipulative what he does and he goes thank god that he has that it's the, yeah it's the first time tonight's the first night we haven't slept together in six years he, he can't be open with himself he's in denial I can't cheat on him, Monty. It would crush him. It would destroy him. And this, to me, is where the tragedy is because Monty Monty sees a chance for Marwood and Withnail to have what he didn't have when he was young, which is a genuine, Mm long-lasting romance, not a fleeting With that guy who he couldn't be with, right? He tells that story earlier in the film. He mentions him a couple times, Mm. like long drives in the country, and then we'd pull over and listen to Mm -hmm. the rain, and you realize like, he loved this dude and it fell apart. And when he sees himself in Marwood, he starts to cry, like genuinely cry, and it's not because he's not going to have sex tonight. It's because he he... he almost took away someone else's chance to have what he's been denied his whole life. It's beautiful. It's a really beautiful moment. It's the whole scene, that mm-hmm. whole scene mm-hmm. from from Perno and Cards to... It's a ride, man. It's yeah. Cool. And I love that the movie makes the decision to vent a little tension by having uh, Marwood go into Withnail's room and confront yeah, him. You mm. motherfucker, wake up. How dare you call me a fucking toilet tray? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he's sleeping with a tactical necessity. And he somehow found a shotgun and is sleeping with it again. Yeah, he's got he's he's sleeping. Well, uh, I like that David keeps calling it a rifle because a lot of the a lot of English too long for a shotgun in mine. Well, it is a rifle. It's It's a double barrel. It could be an upland bird gun. It could be a shotgun. We wouldn't really know without looking at. But you saw Skyfall, right? Oh yeah, that was a double barreled rifle. Mm The that's like a thing that those are old guns, primarily made in England because we have the repeater, which we. Those got. are the guns you can still purchase in England, by the way. Well, you guys, you have really but, strict laws about like. Well, we have, yeah, and, and it's all about this the gauge, mm-hmm. uh, minimums. Um, when we had the, oh, we're going to get really deep. I don't know if we want to go this way. When we had uh, a Scottish um, mass shooting in a primary school mm. back in the nineties, within forty-eight hours. The guy had gone in and killed, much like Sandy Hook. He'd gone in, but with an Uzi, mm-hmm. because that's when it was. Right. Within 48 hours, guns were banned. Everyone had handed them in. But hunting rifles are still allowed. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep them at a club. So you own the gun, but it's kept at the kept hunting, like club. hunting club. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, it's all in and one And you can spot. go pheasant shooting, and you can, it's all still there. Yeah. That's, that's that element of it. And if you're a farmer, you can, again, hold. But handguns, no. 
Yeah. You know, we, smaller stuff, though. That was one of the things I was really surprised by. When Not we, a single mass shooting since. Well, there's no guns mm. to do them with. Mm. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> well, we, we it's been established on the show that I'm pro Second Amendment, but I'm from the UP and I grew up in a family where that was kind of the culture. So I just and I was in the military. I have so slightly like, different yeah, perspectives. But one of the things I found really surprising when we went to Scotland was pretty much unilaterally there, knives are illegal too when carried on your person. Pocket knives. You can't have a pocket knife. No. At all. If you carry a knife out of your house and it's on your person, that's illegal too. Hmm. That's crazy. That's to intent. Me. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they Scotland has. Why some, would you use that's what? Why, oh, why, why do you have a pocket knife outside one? of your house? Yeah. Well, because when we went over, I there, might need to open a box later. Yeah. Well, I'm, in London, I'm whittling. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but that was I, we. They have some of the strictest weapon laws of anywhere I've ever even read about. When we went to Scotland, I was trying because you know I, I carry a pocket knife. My brother took his with him to Ireland, not realizing because he didn't. Mm-hmm. It's just second nature. You put it in your pocket with your keys and your wallet. And he got to his girlfriend's parents' house, and they were like, uh, they were going out to the club, and someone saw the clip, and they're like, "What's that?" And he's like, "It's my pocket knife." And all of all these, they were all young like Irish kids, and they were like, "Can I? Can I hold it?" Oh my god! Can I t- oh my god! It's a pocket knife, and he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah." What are you? What's that about? And he's like, "They're like, you don't understand. In Ireland, this is like you having a machine gun. Holy this shit. is like you just you just came into our house and you had a gun on you." This is wild, man. That's so crazy. And he's like, what should I do with it? They're like, put it in your luggage. If anyone, if you get caught with that out here, you'll go right to jail. Holy shit. It's fucking different, different place over there, man. Um, okay. So, re- <laughs> so let's jump to the morning, the morning after. Mm-hmm. And Monty's gone. If you will. <laughs> Can we talk more about cinematography? Yes. We open in the, like the kitchen area. And Withnail's sitting at the table, and he's eating. He's eating breakfast, and he has two bottles of wine. So he is visually. It's f- lunch. L- it's it's <laughs> lunch. Now. Well, they've mm-hmm. they've just woken up yes. though. <laughs> so yes. They, they, their breakfast is a little bit of a On different a dinner time. service, no yes. less. <laughs> How are you doing for time? I know we're running long. So. Um, um, oh, I got a little bit. Okay, so we've got. He's f- he's visually framed in by two bottles of wine. He is in an enclosed space of his own making. Two bottles of wine. A fabulous Syrah. Um, but vis- One thing about Monty, he keeps an excellent cellar. <laughs> he keeps an excellent cellar. Yeah, he does. He has a Chateau Margaux. The 53, which he nicked, yeah. But um, $20,000, that bottle now. Yeah. <laughs> I looked it up. I looked it up. $20,000. So, so the with nail and I drinking game is literally impossible. <laughs> so um, I would just switch that out for barefoot Merlot. <laughs> Yeah, at that point. Yeah. At that point in the drinking game, you don't want to be drinking a hundred dollar bottle nope. at the end of like three fifths mm-hmm. worth of booze. So Marwood's in the background by the window reading a letter. So what we have is on the right, brilliant I, I tried to take a picture of it, but my phone is so full of podcasts I have no room for photos. Brilliant white light coming in softly. It's it's bright white light, then with nail, then lower on the left. It makes almost a perfect line from window to fireplace. Fireplace is soot black, tons of shadows. And with nail is in this perfect point of equipoise between natural sunlight. It's a big word. <laughs> Holy shit. It's a very big word. He's, he's word? right in the middle of, he's perfectly That's in. That's the sorts of word you find on word of the day toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> and where do you think I found it? This morning when I was... You found sick. your secret. 
before you guys got here, I took my coffee shit and I said, equipoise. equipoise. Let's work that one in. But but with Nail's head is almost perfectly in line between the fire and the dark and the light and Marwood. So equal equally positioned. Equally positioned, equipoise. A po- a, a moment of poise equally equidistant between two points. Awesome. So I worked it out. Context clues. Yeah, baby. <laughs> but it's Dude, it's just, it's, Withnail has a choice right here, right now, because the telegram is about to arrive. Oh, fuck. So, here he is. He is perfectly between two points, because they're about to go back to London. And London can be two things. It can either be the, the white light window, Marwood, get your shit together, put your life back together, or it can be that dark room with the fire. I feel like he even likes the fire better, though. We see that at the end of the movie. Yeah, he, that's what he de- that's what he decides. He chooses it. The telegram arrives, knowingly, and it sounds like it's just a callback. It's not you got the role. Because like, yes. yeah, he's a, it's just a callback. Because he says it just, it just means me they want to see me again. But he goes, uh, I think he goes, congratulations, and you realize he got the part. He, pr- we know pretty certainly that he's yeah. got the part. And then they, he goes, we've got to get back now. We have to get back now because this is my fucking choice. And we see Millstone with Nail. I need at least an hour for lunch. You know, like, eat in the car then, we motherfucker. Can't, and he does. Yeah. I love that he eats his lunch in the car. But again, they hit that. On a plate. On the dinner service. On the well. dinner service. <laughs> Not just sandwiches or anything like <laughs> no, that. He's, he's silverware and yep. bottle of wine. So I, I See, I saw a little bit different there. When he says congratulations, throughout the rest of the movie, you think he'd go off on one. But he doesn't. It's a reserved... I'm happy for you. That's the way I took that bit. That he's genuinely happy? Yeah, I mean, what does he do? He drives through the night Well, I for him, you know. I, I'm making time. I'm making time. I'm getting you there. I agree. I actually... I might not make that step, but I'm going to make sure you can. That... I didn't, I didn't mean that he wasn't genuinely happy for him. I meant... What I meant was his decision was not to follow him. Mm. Not, to, not to follow him into that... Into the 70s Into the next stage of their life He decides to go back to what he's known The the fire in the dark But I think there And I think there is a melancholy too But we do I love the small arc that we get with With Nail is He bails on him when the When the bull comes out He bails on him When the guy in the bar comes out But when the chips are down And he has a chance to really do something And get out Even if With Nail won't follow him He's loyal enough to help him get there Mm -hmm. So I'm totally with you on that Um what I love, do you remember remember how we had to pass through the Tempest to get to the underworld? Yep. We have to pass back through the Tempest to get back out. That's the journey. Because as soon as they, mm-hmm. it's not raining outside when they leave. But they he's, eating, the, he's eating his lunch on the dinner service and navigating, isn't he? Bear <laughs> right, bear right, bear right. Because <laughs> he can see. Well, it does, he's, <laughs> right. he's looking he's, out the he's thing and he's like, he's like the worst, like, like, right. worst sat nav you can possibly he's get. He's sitting there, he's like, takes a swill off wine and he's like, He's like, you've got... Oh, it's scotch. He's drinking yeah, he scotch. He's got a truck coming. And he goes, he's got... Uh, it, was it truck or lorry? Yeah, Maybe I'm... A lorry. lorry. Yeah, he's like, you got a lorry. 200 yards ahead. Bear right. Right? What right? I don't even see a fucking lane. <laughs> Bear right. Bear right. Bear right. It's like, it's like your, your fucking your GPS, GPS yelling yep. at you. 10 left now. 10 left now. You're like, what left? It's a field. It's a fucking field. <laughs> Recalculating. Recalculating. Turn fuck around. you. It fuck you. <laughs> Take a U-turn at next roundabout. <laughs> but I love, so I love these. Like he's he's like fuck. Next time we see a place, I'm getting this thing. I'm getting that windshield wiper fixed, and I've got to get some sleep. Cut. I love that. It's a beautiful hard cut. It doesn't actually cut on on sleep. It cuts at with nail laughing, <laughs> and then we chop it off. 
and we open our eyes to oh my mm, god the, the opening quiet dude the opening to voodoo child is on its own is beautiful because it's such a slow simple kind of snaky riff but when when jimmy hits that fuzz face that's the pedal he's using when he hits that fucking fuzz face and blows that marshall all the way out that is the dirtiest guitar tone ever recorded i i will stand by that that is the that is the dirtiest skankiest guitar i've ever heard and I it's fucking the second it. time as well that it it aligns with it's a perfect a key cut. switch because he's uh, making time and the car just <laughs> swerves yeah. Yeah. out it's amazing so marwood opens his eyes and he's sitting up in that back seat what the fuck is going on? what are you doing i'm making time again right here iconic Mm-hmm. This to me, I I understand. I fully get why you think the the glasses flip and the ball is coolest. For me, at my time in my life, that swerve out around the truck with the 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 loud fuzz face chord from Voodoo Child, that might be the coolest moment ever put on film. For me, that is fucking epic. It's I'm making rad. time. Dude, and he's swerving all over the and it, it, you know like. Kids, drunk driving is not cool. No. Drunk driving is fucking cool right here, man. I'm sorry. It's a movie. He's got a bottle of kids piss in his pants and he's ready to go. <laughs> Dude, like you can see. Danny's I, a genius. Danny's a genius. Danny's a genius. You tape this and this spigot here to your old man. Your old chap. Your old, your old chap. chap. <laughs> like I Dude, I fully get it. You can have that. The instructions are included. Um Dude, it's I'm getting out of the ball I mean, business. This and might, getting into the doll business. This we're gonna have shits it's, itself. It's quite horrible, really, but they like that. The little girls. He got a doll. He got a doll. What pisses itself? So we're gonna make one. What shits, shits itself? <laughs> and then Marwood shits itself. Yeah, yeah. shits itself. Shits itself. <laughs> Look, man, I wrote down my favorite moment in cinema. That's probably hyperbolic, but in that moment when you're watching it, I can't it's think the of the most incredible. Yes, can't think of a cooler moment. If there, the the moment when uh, when Samuel L. Jackson and and uh, and John Travolta both look left and both look right at the diner at the end of Pulp Fiction. Put their guns in their shorts. Yes. Tuck their guns in their shorts. That might be a little cooler, but I don't know, man. This is pretty I fucking you gonna, wild. I thought you were gonna say with Samuel L. Jackson in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> His purple lightsaber. Yeah. There's never been a cooler moment. No, so they get pulled over. Get in the fucking van! Oh. Get in the fucking van! <laughs> that is the soundbite, I think, from the entire movie right there. It's, get in the fucking van! <laughs> I, love how they, I, was, I love how when they're driving along, in order to get them to pull over, he opens the door. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Opens the whole door. And he points. Pull over. <laughs> <laughs> so he, pull, he pulls over. It comes. The cop comes back. He rolls down the window. He goes, can I help you, officer? And you like, are loaded. A little bit early, a bit early in the morning for festivities, isn't it? And then, and he goes, "Those aren't mine. There's, <laughs> I've the only two had two bottles of wine and the, the full plates. I've food. only had a few L's." And the cops like, "You're drunk." <laughs> I assure you, I'm not, officer. <laughs> Gets is that is that Adam when he asks for the breathalyzer? Is that kind of? Mm, like uh-huh. a little two-year-old who's refusing. Uh, no, I'm mm. not going to have the broccoli. No, <laughs> here's the airplane. <laughs> Are you refusing to blow in the bag? I, he goes, I absolutely am, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he's, I, we, what is a QC or a Q? 
Q- oh, QC my, is my Queen's Council. Oh, okay. There is a, a. My friend is a QC. It's like saying my friend's a lawyer. I think he mm. says my my brother my or brother. my whatever is it's like yeah. his dad. He's like, my father's a QC, and they're like, get in the fucking van, get yeah. in the van. The Queen's Council <laughs> are a, a higher level of of jury. Like you can have local, oh, you can have local okay. courts, but the Queen's Council operates like the Old Bailey and stuff like that. They're the ones gotcha. that wear the wigs. <laughs> they're the ones what wear the wigs. Yeah, the 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 hat like it, Danny's. Yeah, hat. you mean you mean a wig. No man. no man, it was a it was a hat, and he says, "This is a court. You don't have to dress up." And he says, "You think you look normal, you on your honour?" Cunt gave him two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cold man shows up in his caftan. <laughs> God damn, this movie is brilliant. I mean, that also spikes about the 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 the, the way they talk about race as well, because he's mm-hmm. talking about. The coal man, mm-hmm. very dark skin. The other one, uh, several times, who's the giant spade in the bath? Yeah. <laughs> right. Pre- that's presuming Ed. Yeah, presuming Ed. Presuming Ed. <laughs> Who has the greatest fucking trip out on... The oh, oh, my God. God. Oh, <laughs> only Mundan. Only Mundan. Only Mundan. And with nails cackling like yeah. a fiend. Like, what is happening? Yeah, dude, that puts that'll put anybody in, like, the not right headspace. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally cool until now, man. I don't what know what's you get when you smoke the Camberwell carrot. The Camber- <laughs> Who calls it the Camberwell carrot? I do, man. Because I came up with it in Camberwell, and it looks like a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> this particular joint requires up to 12 skins. <laughs> up to? Up to 12 skins. So, uh, guess so. We get we get a funny little bit in the in the police station, but really, what I want to talk about next is the return of Danny. Because this this is we talk about the thesis of the film. Mm-hmm. Danny's monologue is the thesis yep, of the film. It is. Yeah. It gives it to us at but the we, very end of the. We picture. can't skip what I currently think is the most iconic film joint, maybe ever. Mm-hmm. This might even be the huge fucking. This could bat. beat the giant joint from Cheech and Chung. I think it does, man. This is this looks smokable. This does look smokable. Actually, I think they're legit smoking something are. too, yeah. because like when he gets the puff going, you kind of see the the embers get a little mm. brighter as you get a good it's, draw. It's got a good glow going. It's <sighs> ashing, dude. I love when he <laughs> he gets that he gets that joint going. He lights it and gets it puffing, and he pulls it out, and he's already got that like slow motion weed shake. And his voice is starting to go. Well, he's trying to hold it. Yeah. Yep. He's trying to talk and hold it, this and he goes, will "Get you very high." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "This will tend to make you very high," <laughs> and he hands it to Withnail. It takes like a huge hit, and uh, uh, Marwood has gone to take er, gone to take a phone call, mm-hmm. and he comes back and he's smiling. And this is more of that Danny's like he's on he's got he's on a different plane. He might mm-hmm. be a, like low grade psychic. He's taking so many mm-hmm. drugs because the second he looks at Marwood, he goes, "Oh, you got the pop, man." He's the first one who knows it, and Marwood smiles and looks at Withnail, and Withnail go, uh, goes, "Well done." And again, it's I love that. I, I I'm with you. I think it's genuine and melancholy because mm-hmm. Withnail knows this is mm-hmm. this is the first is the first tolling of the bell, and yep. it's about to go because he starts smoking heavy after mm-hmm. that. And Marwood he gets in his rocket ship. Marwood yeah. takes a little like one hit, puts it back down. It's like that one time you came over here and I got that that one Jesus joint with that Christ. weird crazy weed. We didn't have band practice that day and watched that. Fuck no, dude! Yeah. I barely even made it back in through the door. It was insanity. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love. The, okay, so again, we first time I saw this, I was I was high. I was lit as shit. I was flying, and uh, 
when when Marwood starts to freak out, says name Marwood. I keep saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mar- when Marwood starts to freak out, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm freaking out. And he's like, oh my god, this, I can't take this anymore. What's going on, Danny? And Danny goes, because uh, I'm watching it high, like the spinning globe and the chanting mm. and the cackling. It starts to tip. It starts to tip you. It starts to tip you a little, and then that the voice of Danny, that ever calm voice, where he goes, he goes. You are you are currently high. You're experiencing a rush. I recommend you sit down and find your neutral space. And you're like, oh, Ooh, thank be you. Be seated. Yeah. <laughs> be seated. Be seated. That dude, that right there, be seated, is with the hand gesture. Mm-hmm. And watching the movie, you're like, thank you, Danny. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. He goes, Danny, I can't take this anymore. Give me a Valium. And he goes, he goes, what your brain, you have altered your brain using a drug. You have made it high. You have made, made it, it high. high. If I give you a Valium, it will make it. Lo- you will have. You will have taken another drug, and you will have done something else to your brain. Why trust one drug and not the other? That's the that, bit. That's the bit. Why trust one feeling over the other? Over another. Yeah. Well, you know, you go, yeah, but he, er, I think he says because there's a line right after it, which leads us into his monologue. Right? He goes, "Why trust one drug and not the other?" That's politics. Polit- he goes, politics. "That's politics, politics isn't it?" Exactly. <laughs> And then the next, uh, he, he kind of is just chilling there for a second, and he leaves, Marwood leaves, and Withnail takes Marwood's spot. And, he, and he's like, uh, uh, I like that Withnail picks up Marwood's line of thinking, because he sits down and he goes, what are you on about, Denny? And he goes, London is, I love that he says this too, London is a country coming down from its trip. Not England is a country coming down from its trip. London is a country coming down from its trip. They're selling hippie wigs and Woolworths, man. The greatest generation is over. If you're hanging on to a rising balloon, you're presented with a difficult decision. Let go before it's too late, or hang on and keep getting higher. Posing the question, how long can you keep a grip on the rope? That's it. That's the whole fucking movie in one sentence. I love that we... Take the entire journey to get this moment from Danny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not one of those dumb bits in a movie where they tell you like, and here's what the movie's about. Nope. I watched this movie six times and I didn't get that this is the whole metaphor. Marwood is the balloon. And Withnail is grabbing onto the rope. How long can he hold on to Marwood before he's too high and will die if he lets go? which is what happens at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. He held on too long, and now that Marwood's gone, he's going to crash very hard. If he'd let go earlier, he might have stayed comfortably in his drunken haze for a lot longer, but now he's seen what it's this... Too devastating. Yeah, this friendship has gone gone too far, gone too high. But also, the 60s are the balloon. How long can you hold on to the hit, to peace and love and happy drugs man and oh yeah we don't need a job well, they're man. selling hippie wigs at Woolworths how long can you hold on to that before yeah. it's become commodified we're gonna Just talk two years after the summer of love exactly well. yeah like, you know didn't take long my parents often talk about that they're of that general I don't know how old your folks are but they were in their 20s I think my, my dad was born in 67 or no, something see like mine's that. 1949 yeah so excited. 49 so he's living in London during that phase as Teenager into his 20s. Married my mum at 21 in 69. Yeah. And um, he talks about the fact that 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 generation, they thought they were going to change the world. And so to have this crashing realisation come on them, 
you don't know how that might, you can't imagine that if it's like the all your optimism is gone whole generation know? crashing at once mm-hmm. actually we're, we'll talk about it with well david and i will talk about yeah. it with sid and nancy but what we see is as soon punk rock's got energy and then a businessman gets his hook into one of them and commodifies mm. the movement and it dies and that's what we're seeing here the party is the balloon how long can Withnail keep drinking before he physically dies? How long can you keep... Before he's leaving Las It's fun. Vegas. Chin, chin. Yep. Look at this drink. I'm drinking and drinking. Well, he doesn't look the greatest, man. And he's like on that it's path hiding, already. isn't it? That's him hiding from the reality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like he's avoiding the hangover. And then I think ultimately the thing that got me the the hardest was... was not, not in the context of the movie. It's almost like Danny looked... Cause you don't see who he's talking to. He's talking to someone off screen. And I think it's us because ultimately for me, I think our dreams are the balloon Mm -hmm. and not in, not in as dour a way as the sixties or Marwood is the balloon, but it really poses a serious question to you. Cause Danny doesn't say you have to let go of the balloon. He says, you have a choice. You can hold on to the balloon as long as you like, but you don't know what's up there. So, you know, like my, one of my dreams, don't don't have a job, be a full-time novelist, filmmaker, artist, live as an artist. There will come a certain point in my life where I'm clinging to that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not letting go of that balloon. I'm going higher. We're higher not done higher. yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I if I hit 50 and I'm not a full-time author yet, I have to make a call. Do right. I let go of the balloon? If I hit 60 and I've never had a full-time and I've never had a full-time job and I'm starting to get sick and my body's giving up on me, do I give up on my dream or do I keep holding on to the balloon wondering if maybe the next bit of cloud that I get through will bring me to my ledge? That's a it's not it's an open-ended question. We all have to make that call. How long cuz that's what Withnail's dealing with. How long are you going to keep pretending you're an actor? You know, you know, you're, they they say they've been on unemployment. It's very in vogue. All the actors are doing it. Do you cut your hair and go get a job with Neil, or do you keep getting hammered and keep pretending that you're going to be an actor someday? Turning Look, down all the opportunities along the way. Yeah, like with, with yeah. Neil's an interesting idea, but like that's what Marwood does too. Is he hangs on to that balloon and he gets a role. With Neil's hanging on to that balloon and, and he's turning away ledge after ledge after ledge and he's just getting higher and higher and he's not getting any younger and his liver's probably shot. I, I like that. I love how the best movies always leave you thinking, what happens tomorrow? Yeah, what's tomorrow look like? You know? I love that that question. Because you can think about Marwood, you can think about Wivnall, you can think about Danny. Yeah. You know, I'm assuming, presuming Ed is staying. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, I like that Danny says... A couple times he's like I'm getting out and I'm mm-hmm. getting into business and you're because you like Danny you're tempted to take him at face value but in the next movie we're gonna watch we also see a drug dealer who says he's getting out mm-hmm. and when you hear, you hear the character say I'm getting off I'm getting clean yeah over and over and over yeah well yeah you see you see Sid do it but mm-hmm. one of the things I like is the drug dealer says like I'm getting out of this I'm gonna go I'm gonna go straight and the next words out of his mouth are Sid could I have just a little bit of that just for tomorrow bit, yeah mm-hmm. so he's not getting out tomorrow mm-hmm so I wonder what that'll look like tomorrow it's an interesting oh question God. and I love that it's what the movie leaves us with so Carl do you want to talk about the last 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 scene of the movie so I do the awkward English goodbyes. The awkward English goodbyes, right? Well, we already know the, their goodbye, right? He doesn't yeah. want him to follow. Yeah. And so we heard earlier 
that every great actor wants to play the Dane. And the, the moment you realize it's over for you is when you realize you're too old or past your prime. You can't play that anymore. So he has said goodbye to his friend in the only way that he can, Chin Chin. And he turns to the only audience he has I left. I think Chin Chin is a refusal to say goodbye. Uh, no, that's absolutely. Well, sure. it can Because he says, I'll whatever. miss you, Chin Chin. Right. Which is like, I'll miss you. I'm going to take that back, actually. Hmm. Could be. Yeah. I, but that's my read on it. Right. That's English. <laughs> right, yeah, fair enough. Um, so I mean, it's, it's, I wrote it's down like, difficult English. Well, it's kind of just like, well, you never say goodbye and say, until next time. You know, it's mm-hmm. that sort of sort of thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then he gives the, one of the top three most incredible uh, reads on Shakespeare ever. It's stunning. It's the performance is stunning. Incredible. Watching it again, um, just fucking, I want to see him play the Dane. This, this, with Noel Mm -hmm. play him yeah and I also wouldn't mind seeing Richard E. Grant Grant, but just showing that he does have the chops after all that bullshit Mm -hmm. to show that this actor this with has those kind of chops that depth that depth that incredible that incredible moment and I like but it's yeah it's I don't think he could have done it cold. I think he needed the emotional turbulence mm-hmm. of that moment. He, it's basically method. At that point, it is absolutely His method. friend was just torn away from me, and it stirred. He's drunk all of his feelings into silt at the bottom of the lake mm-hmm. of his soul, and his friend just dragged them all up. And the only way he could express this, this weird turbulence inside him was with art. Mm-hmm. And you see for one beautiful soliloquy that he is an artist. Yeah, that he has that in him, but the but what it costs makes him to the, get it well out makes of those him types now. of performances, I want to say easier, but more real if you have the experience there to to draw from, mm. which is why kid actors freak me out. They can hit that good ones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we're like, where in the fuck are you pulling that shit from? Because you've had no experience. <laughs> like, it's crazy to me. But but you see uh, every single element of his emotion in. What a piece of work is man. man. Mm. Fucking incredible, just, man. Oh, my it God. It just summarizes the film, doesn't it, as well? It does, like, yeah. What a piece of work is man. What yeah. also makes me just, I mean, fucking love Shakespeare, How like right? a god. Oh my you know? God. Yeah. He just yeah, reads, he lifts yeah. the umbrella up. Mm-hmm. But how like a god. And talk about physical control. After he lifts the umbrella up, he doesn't lower it again. He it falls down onto his shoulder he drops it mm-hmm. like the the weight, weight of, of the world the yeah. weight of that that <laughs> idea crunk. like a god and then he's crushed by the rain and it comes right back i want to see him do the whole fucking thing <laughs> 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 dude it's amazing it's it's got to be one of the one of the most powerful endings mm-hmm. ever because i lo- the moment that marwood's off screen marwood's off screen mm-hmm. he's gone and that's a very small goodbye for that character our pov character basically mm-hmm. says i he doesn't you. want us to follow him to the to station either. He's saying that to us as well as with him. But you have changed. I don't he's changed so much because of the haircut. Mm-hmm. Isn't he? He's all clean. That and was ready. shocking. He yeah. doesn't look like the same person. No. When once he cuts he's his hair, dashing. Yeah, playing the lead in R.C. Sheriff's Journey's End. I, believe. I think I uh, I never I wrote it somewhere. Like, how did Paul McGann not make it bigger? Either of these guys. I mean, Richard E. Grant is known. He's been in things. Yeah. He Hudson did, Hawk he and a, others. He did another one with this director called How to Get Ahead in Advertising. They did another one together. Interesting. It's on the Criterion channel. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> um, 
I think I, I haven't checked on the other two, but I think it's interesting that our first two films are both Criterion films. I couldn't find this uh, Sid and Nancy on the Criterion. Channel. You got to get it on DVD or Blu-ray. It's oh, not, on, it's not, not on, on the, the channel. channel. Okay. Not currently. I had to watch mine on YouTube, <laughs> pieced it together from different like. Buddy. It was rough, dude. It took I got, me four hours sorry, to watch I it, and I disc. can't talk about it. So I got the disc. <laughs> All right. So, um, does anyone uh, have anything left for with Nail and I? This was. I don't. This is fucking brilliant, David. Thank you for bringing this to well. our attention. After man, you showed us this, man. I didn't speak much on it today. I was like sitting and listening to you talk about it. It was just as much fun as watching the movie. So. Well, I've, and I'm a little rusty right now. Yeah, a lot of my head. You've had a lot going on, yeah, man. We, so. but it's good to have you back in studio. Thank you, man. All right, Thank so you, you're Carl. Carl. You're gonna you're gonna skip Sid and Nancy. I have to. Yeah, I, I have understand. to work I get today it. to because there's you know. So you will rejoin us for week three. Yep, I'll be back for week. This three. is England. This is, so England, this is England, and that is a challenging one and to find. And then attack the block as well. <laughs> well, yeah, we're gonna figure that out. Yeah, so. well, uh, you have the disc. I do. It's in my car at the moment. I got to. I, I've got to take it back to the library. Is it? Is it at our library or was it yeah. interlocked? No, it was Woodmere. Okay. Sweet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so you grab I'll it. I'll just then. follow you to the yeah, library. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I'll, I'll, as soon as you're done, you let me know, and I'll come I will. get it. I'll. As soon as I have it, I'll be like, Carl, come watch it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. All right, excellent. Well, that's it for with Nail and I. Thank you guys. So much for listening. I'm super stoked about Anarchy in the UK. I'm assuming the rest of the episodes won't be longer. This was the, or won't won't be this long. This, this was the one reason. is the one. This, this was, was the, the catalyst that we did. Yeah, this, yeah, this was time. why we wanted to do it. This has got my nomination officially for for best picture for our for our Quillen filmies. That's kind of why I wanted to do it. Is because kind of wanted to get it. If we did it for yeah, because it has to be nominated. If we did it, it the, just as a Patreon exclusive, we can't it, nominate it, it for count. any awards on the Quillen filmies. And so far, this is the best movie I've seen this year. Yep. So I didn't want to just give that to the patrons i want to give that to everyone so um i don't have my i don't know where my slip got to so we're gonna have to do patrons from memory here we go so we would like uh we're a listener supported podcast if you want to support the show you can head on over to quill and or uh, patreon.com slash quill and film q u i l l a n d f i l m you can get full length bonus episodes and shout outs on the show such as these we would like to thank john shibe casey shibe uh daniele hartelli sister sarah Connor sweeney Connor Sweeney, Katie Clark, Kelly and Mike Wagner, David, David Rowney, and yep. William Rockwood. Woo! I'm pretty sure that's all of them. If if we forgot you, it's not that we don't love you. It's that we've been talking about a movie for three hours and 15 minutes. Is that how it, went? <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> I like it's it, good to, It's always a good feel when I mean, it, it I doubles ba- the time you I talk about it and the actual jerky, length of the so, movie. Yeah, exactly. Dude, sometimes a movie needs it. I think this was one of them. Um, so if you want to drop us a line, it's measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned. Next week, we're going to talk about something a lot happier. Two hair. <laughs> heroin addicts having their lives destroyed by drugs and commercialism. <laughs>